0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: The centurion was a non-commissioned officer. The centurion was... A sergeant, like a sergeant, who worked his way up from boot camp. He was rugged. He knew the soldiers. He was the backbone of the Roman army. The Bible has a lot to say. We don't have time to talk about it this morning. The Bible has a lot to say about the Roman centurion. And oftentimes, as a matter of fact, more often than not, when the Bible talks about the Roman centurion, are you listening? He talks about, the the Bible talks about the centurion in a good light. The centurions in the Bible were men of high caliber and were men of high character. You might remember a centurion came to Jesus. Don't you know the story? Asking for the healing of his servant. And Jesus said, I'll come to the servant and I'll heal him. And it was the centurion who said, Lord, I know authority. And I am a man of authority. I understand authority. And therefore, Lord, you don't have to come to my house to heal my servant. All you need to do is speak the word and my servant shall be healed. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at this man's faith and he marveled at his faith. This man was a centurion. And by the way, might I add, saints, that Jesus does not marvel at many things. Did you know? He didn't marvel at many things. But at this centurion's faith, a Gentile. Jesus, the Bible says, he marveled. And he said, I've not seen this kind of great faith in even my own people. In all of Israel. Centurions are in a good light in the Bible. Don't you remember the story as Jesus is on the cross, And the weather changed, and there was darkness, and there was an earthquake. And the centurion said, truly, this was the Son of God. That was a centurion. So in the Bible, centurions were men of quality. They were men of high caliber. They were men of integrity. They were men of strength and character. And I bring this to your attention this morning because as I look at the church today, listen to me, as I look at the church today, I see a need for more centurions. Don't you find it a little odd that the church is largely made up of women? You know, statistically, there are more women in church than men. And as you look at various ministries and maybe even you watch Christian television and you look in the audience, the the churches are full of women. You know, I believe that honestly, if all of the women around the country decided that they were not going to go to church on any particular Sunday, do you know church will probably close? The women are doing all the work in church. Ladies, y'all need to say amen. I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. And don't misunderstand me now. Uh, There is value with women in the church and women need to be serving. And the Bible has a lot to say about women in the church. But the Bible also has a lot to say about godly men, centurion type of men. And honestly, saints, I got to tell you, in this particular church, let's talk Calvary Chapel here. Just this one. I can say as a pastor, I am blessed, blessed, blessed beyond all that you could ever think to see that in this church there are so many godly men who love the Lord. As a matter of fact, as I look at this audience right now, and I did it first service and I'm looking at it right now, I would venture to say that this church is probably about 50-50 of men and women in this room right now. And I thank the Lord for that. This church is full of godly men, centurion-type men, men who love the Lord, and I'm happy about that. Because contrary to popular opinion and media propaganda, God is still looking for good men. God is still looking for centurion-type men. God is still looking for men who will stand up and be men. Contrary to popular opinion, it is a good thing to be a godly Christian man. And there is dignity in being a Christian man. And there is dignity in following Jesus as a man. And there is masculinity in following Jesus as a man. Don't you remember when Pilate brought Jesus forth? What did he say? He said, Behold the man. He didn't say, Behold the whim. He didn't say, Behold the wuss. He didn't say, Behold the man, pseudo man. He said, Behold the man. You see, Jesus was a very masculine yet gracious, very masculine yet kind, very masculine yet gentle, very masculine but yet compassionate, very masculine but yet loving man. He was a man. And I don't like the movies. picture Jesus as some girly man (laughs) he always meek and mild just meek and mild just meek and mild never get upset and when he does get upset it's always you know well I don't like it when you sell things in the temple you're making me upset you know, they got Jesus sound like Michael Jackson or something. I mean, what's up with that?
0: Come on, man, people, come on. I don't
1: like it. I just don't like it. There's a problem with that. There's just a problem with that. There's a problem with that. I mean, there is a problem with that. You know, Jesus was a man. Jesus was, was strong and yet a man. And, and we need to be strong men of God. When men, you know, real men really do love Jesus. There's nothing wrong with being a Christian and being loving and being a man and being compassionate and being gentle toward your family and toward your friends and yet still be a man. Do you understand that being a man has nothing to do with how you flex? I'm a man. What time is it? I better tie my shoes. That ain't got nothing to do with um, being a real man. Fellas, say amen, would you? That ain't got nothing to do with being a real man. A real man loves Jesus. A real man serves God. A real man seeks the heart of the Lord. A real man is humble. A real man knows how to humble himself under the mighty hand of God so that God can lift him up. So that God can give him the things that he needs to be the husband, the father, the uncle, whatever you got to be. God will give you that. This Cornelius, now, now here he's on duty in Caesarea. He's over a hundred men. And the Bible tells us that you note this here. He is a devout man who prays and he gives a lot of money to the poor. Now you don't want to miss this. Listen closely. Although he is a devout man, although he is a religious man, although he gives to the poor, although he prays daily, you want to note this, he wasn't saved. He wasn't saved. You see, God sends Peter to him so that he can be saved. Now, oftentimes, you know, we hear a lot about people who say I'm a good person and, and, and I'm very religious. We all know people like that to say I'm very religious. You ask them if they're a Christian, they tell you they go to church. You ask them if they're a Christian, they tell you that they're religious. We all know people who say that, you know, I'm a good person and I give to Jerry's kids and I do all of the right things and, and, and I'm a good person. Listen, goodness never saved anyone. And religion cannot save you. You know, Jesus said, Nicodemus, don't you remember when Nick came to Jesus at night? <laughs> Nick at night. <laughs> That's my favorite. He said what? You must be born again. He didn't say it's okay to be a good person. Jesus said you must be born again. There are plenty of religious people who pray daily and torture their bodies and give to the poor, but they need to have their sins forgiven. So while devout Cornelius is praying, in our story, an angel showed up and said, Cornelius, God has taken notice of your prayers. Notice in verse Nine of chapter 10. Are you there? Say amen. The next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour and then he became very hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in this sheet were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. And this happened three times. And the object was taken up into heaven Again, Notice Peter goes up on the housetop, possibly to get away from the smell of the tanner's house. And while he's on the housetop praying, he became hungry. He became hungry. While he's praying, he became hungry. Now, I personally appreciate this. (laughs) Because, you know, it, it does happen. The Bible is so real, guys. The Bible tells a real story about real people and everyday situations that happen to you and happen to me. Here we have Peter. Watch this. Peter is up on the housetop praying, and while Peter is praying, he gets hungry. That happens a lot. How many times has this happened where you have been in prayer, and all of a sudden you find your mind drifted? Anybody? Is that? Okay, good, good. First service, they wouldn't tell the truth. Only one person... They, they were lying in church. It was the truth. It blew me away. I stopped lying. And, and it does happen when you're praying and like you're in deep contrition and, and you're pouring your heart out to God and, and, and you're praying and all of a sudden your mind starts to wonder and you start to think, man, I got to get an oil change. It's like, where'd that come from? You know, when you're praying, you're pouring your heart out out to God, and all of a sudden you think, man, you know, I could really use a Philly cheesesteak hoagie right now. (laughs) It, it, It does happen. And so Peter now, he's praying, and all of a sudden, he starts to think, I'm hungry. And while praying, he's in a trance. Literally, that means that he was raptured. He was in ecstasy. And he saw heaven open and a vessel coming down. Now listen, this is a strange day for Peter. Because Peter's up on the roof trying to pray and concentrate, and all of a sudden he realizes I'm hungry, probably his stomach starts to growl, and probably thinking, you know what, I can't wait to lunch. And all of a sudden, here comes lunch in a big white lunch bag, and a voice from heaven says, hey, go ahead, kill and eat. Now, notice in the lunch bag was all manner of four-footed beasts, wild animals and creeping things, which include locusts, ants, caterpillars, and the birds of the air. And God said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, no, Lord. You can't say that. Especially if you're an apostle. I mean, how are you going to say, no, Lord? Peter says, "I've never eaten anything unclean and I'm not about to start." I mean, that just sounds crazy. Rise, pillar, Peter, kill and eat." And Peter says, "Uh-uh." I says, "Wait a minute, listen, you cannot say, but you can say no, and you can say, "Lord, but you cannot put no Lord in the same sentence Saints." You understand? Say amen. You understand? You can say no all you want, and you can say Lord all you want. But putting that in the same sentence, I would not recommend it. He says, no, Lord. Peter, and God said to Peter, Peter, don't call what I've cleansed common. Now, what's happening here? This is a picture of the church. It's a picture of the church. Again, God is preparing and God is breaking down those walls of discrimination and racism, piece by piece by piece, because God is going to send him to the house of a Gentile. So he says, don't call what I've cleansed common. If God says something is acceptable, then don't say it isn't. You see, God's asking Peter to go beyond his prejudices and go beyond his boundaries. And God is using this sheet coming down with every animal and creature that were not Levitically clean to say to Peter, Peter, you are going to go to the house of a Gentile and I don't want you looking at him as if he is unclean or uncommon. Don't call what I've cleansed uncommon or unclean. What I've sanctified, don't call it unclean. And note in verse 16, this happened how many times, saints? Three. I like that. It seems that Peter likes to get things in threes. Did you know? You know your Bible. Three times Jesus woke Peter up in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26. Before the cock crows twice, you will, Jesus said, you will deny me how many times? Three times. Peter seems to have to have it in threes to get it down. In other words, the Lord is saying, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, "Uh uh-uh. No. Peter, kill and eat. Well, not so, Lord. Can't do that. Peter, kill and eat the third time. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. You see, and then God sends the angel to the house of Cornelius in Caesarea. Now, you want to notice something here. I don't really have time to develop it, but I just simply want to tell you this. You want to notice. Are are you listening? You want to notice that, that, that God is speaking to Cornelius in Caesarea, and God is speaking to Peter in Joppa. At the same time that God is telling Cornelius, giving Cornelius a word, he is also giving Peter a word. I tell you that to tell you this, that in the church today, there are people who will come up to you and tell you that they have a word from God. Listen, if they have a word from God, that's fine. But if it's a word from God for you, then saints, let me challenge you. Let me help you. God is going to speak that word to you as well. Amen. Amen. God's going to tell you. I remember some years ago, I walked into a church. I'd never been in this church before. I was just there to visit. The pastor walked up to me and said, oh, brother, brother, God is showing me that you're going to be in this church and you're going to be in ministry in this church. And God has called you to this place. God has told me that, he said. I'm a prophet, he said, and God has told me that. I'm looking at God like he got six heads. I'm like, well, you know, on a, thank you, brother, brother prophet. You know, thank you. We're a nonprofit organization here. Thank you, brother. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just comes out. I don't know what to do. Where did that, where did that come from? I don't know. I said, thank you, brother. You know, but honestly, when God shows me that, then, you know, we'll, we'll see what the Lord does. But, 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 you know, honestly, I mean, if God's going to speak a word to someone, he's going to speak that word to you as well. If you're praying and you're seeking the Lord, you're in the word, God's got your phone number as well. He can tell you also. You know, the, the, the word of prophecy in the church today is out of control. And I don't have much time more to say anything about that. All right, look at verse 17. I'll wrap it up. Now in verse 17. I wish I had more time. Come back third service. I'll tell you more. How's that? (laughs) Now in verse 17, while Peter wandered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius, he had made inquiry for, for Simon's house, and they stood it before the gate. And they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Peter, get up, go downstairs, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Peter sounds so spiritual right now. He's up on a housetop thinking about a cheesesteak. They come and he goes, yes, what would you like? I am here who thou seek it? For what reason hast thou come? And they said in verse 22, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God. Look what they say about him. What do people say about you? Cornelius the centurion a just man one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to this house to his house and to hear words from you, and then he invited them in and lodged them, and on the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, before you shut your Bibles, you would think that Peter wouldn't have doubts right now, wouldn't you? He had three conversations with God three times a sheet came down. Peter's still wondering what this is all about, so Peter's on the roof wondering what's going on. The men are at the gate they call and they asked if Peter was there And while they're standing at the gate The spirit said Peter there are three men downstairs waiting for you Get up and go with them And don't doubt I have sent them And again God knows Peter likes things in threes God sent three men You know he sent one man He said hey God wants you Peter said not so Lord He sent another one uh-uh, ain't going to do it. So he said, "On God says, look, let's just knock this down. We'll send all three guys at the same time. <laughs> Peter's something else. So he goes with them. They said, Cornelius sent us because you have, did you get that? You have words that we need to hear. And then Peter said, come in and stay with me overnight. Now listen closely. I close with this. Think about it. Peter is a very religious person. Jew who said he has never eaten anything unclean. When you think of Peter, you really don't think that he's quite religious, do you? But he is religious in a good way. He loves God, but he's a religious Jew. And he says, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. Here we have this Jew who is religious staying in the house of a tanner. The walls are coming down in the life of Peter. And he has a couple of three Gentiles In his house now Because they stayed with Peter Did you get that? They stayed with Peter overnight And so he's got some Gentiles in his house And this is a pajama party That would have never happened Watch this Unless the Spirit of God Had intervened And began to tear down piece by piece Those layers of racism and separatism In the heart of Peter If the Holy Spirit had never done that This pajama party would not be happening And so, Rodney, why do you go there? I go there because I look at this church service. I look at you. I look at this body of people. And saints, I would submit to you this morning that this would never be happening if it were not for the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, look at it. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. There's all kinds of people in this room, did you notice? There's black folks in this church, there's white folks in this church, there's Asian folks in this church. They're all people and mixed breeds, and and some of us, me included, I don't know what I am, but, but uh, amen. But there's all kinds of people in this church, and this pajama party, if you would, or this body of believers or this church service at Calvary Chapel would not be happening unless the work of the Holy Spirit was doing the work. Do you know—go ahead, I'll wait— Do you know? Do you know? I kid you not. Do you know? I gotta stop. Do you know that there are people? who asked me, Rodney, how is it that you get people in the church? How is it that the church is so multicultural? How is it that you get black people and white people to come to church? And I tell them, I don't do it at all. I teach the word of God, and the Holy Spirit moves among the people of God. And when God's word begins to work in you and begins to pull apart all that stuff and all those issues that you had prior to coming to Calvary, When he starts pulling all that stuff apart and you start saying, you know what, God, this is sin in my life. That's sin in my life. I think of this and that's wrong. And I think of that and that's wrong. And racism's wrong. And discrimination's wrong. And separatism is wrong. And looking down on people is wrong. And all of these things are wrong. God does all that by the work of the Holy Spirit. And nothing new under the sun, saints. Listen, nothing new under the sun. He began that work in the book of Acts. Don't you know? He began that work in the book of Acts. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that, because that's the kind of God we serve, a God who tears down the walls of all of our bad thinking and all of the junk, stinking thinking, and all of the junk that's inside of us, and he begins to change us by the power of the Word of God, because the Word of God is the power of God unto salvation, for the Word of God is living and quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide even the soul and the marrow and the joints and the tendons, and able to do the intricate surgeries, and the word work in the heart. God's able to do all that. And that's why I tell him, listen, I ain't, I'm not doing anything. The work of the Holy Spirit is tearing down the walls. And now we come together as one body of people. Amen, saints. Could you give the Lord a hand for that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad about that. awesome, 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 awesome.